Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio Show 124. Today's show is brought to you by Occupy Medical. Occupy Medical is a free street reach herbal integrated health clinic, and we are located in Eugene, Oregon. You can use us as a 501c3 for your tax donations, and that's occupy-medical.org. And Candace Hunter Creations. Candace Hunter Creations is a uh, family-centered herbal practice with and health coach. Um, Connecting people with plants to create wellness. Find her at CandiceHunter.com. On Hunter Creation, from business cards to websites, they have your marketing needs covered. And Ace High Heat Graphics, custom and printed shirts, etc. You can find Hunter Creation at HunterCreation.com and Ace High Heat Graphics at AceHighHeatGraphics.com. And finally, this show is also brought to you by our own special Herbal Nerd Society. Herbal Nerd Society. Yes. All right. I love the Herbal Nerd Society. It's really fun writing those special articles just for our herbal nerd nerds. Our herbal nerds. Well, and this month those herbal nerds are going to be really ecstatic, right? That's right, because there's a special treat. It's a special treat. So, what are those omegas? What are those omegas? What well, are those omegas? I happen to know someone that is a really great resource for that, and we have a special little Let's Talk series from Woo-hoo. Yaakov, our buddy Yaakov, and he will walk us gently down the path of EPAs and DHEs and tell us how they work. All the letters, all the numbers. Many, he many different alphabets. Them. He does. Yep. So Herbal Nerd Society members, if you're not already a member, you want to sign up. How do they do that, Patrick? Well, they can go to the website. I believe it's factorherbalist.com and slash Herbal Nerd Society. Uh, it's $4.99 a month or $49.99 for the year. Uh, easy to do. And then they get access to not only the Lex Talk series, which are special podcasts, of course, but also all of the uh, Real Herbalism Radio podcast archive, which is at 100 episodes now. Yeah, it's a so lot. That's, you know, almost 100 hours of herbal information and news from the last few years. Yeah. So uh, it's a great resource for you, uh, in addition to those special articles that Sue is mentioning. So, on with the show. There are some herbal certification programs here in the States and plenty of absolutely wonderful schools many of us attend. But the path we each find into the field varies as wildly as the plants themselves. Today we're talking with registered herbalist, yoga instructor, and owner of Skyhouse Yoga, Ashley Latecki, Helen Boss, about blending science, energy, world travel, and study into a clinical herbal career. Now here are your hosts, Candace Hunter and Sue Sierra Lupe. I'm Candace Hunter. And I'm Sue Sierra Lupe. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Welcome. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much. You're kind enough to join us from the lovely state of Maryland, and uh, we're we're having a we're having our uh, little home kitchen table conversation with you here in Eugene, Springfield, Oregon, and we're really grateful to have you here. I, I looked at your website, and you have a beautiful yoga studio with all kinds of different things going on. I I can't even imagine how you ended up in that spot with that crescendo <laughs> of, of like just multifaceted multi-modality healing available to folks. What, what happened there? How'd you get so lucky? <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, I do feel very lucky. Um, and it was, I think it was luck blended with a lot of hard work. Um, and also, you know, a lot of fine tuning over the years. Um, 
we started actually by renting a house in the downtown area. Um, my husband and I were just dating and we were trying to figure out how do we blend the things we love, which for him as an astrologer was his love of astrology. Um, and for me, it was herbs. And we both shared a love of yoga. So we created Sky House Yoga Um in a downtown house and we lived upstairs and we had our studio downstairs and we ran our, our business from there for about two years. And, uh, you know, the fates had it that the owners of the house we were renting came back unexpectedly. So we needed a new space and we found another space and grew there for two years. And then we just recently moved to our latest location. Um, and so it's been, you know, I think my husband and I, we really trust, we have a lot of trust in how things unfold. So we've been just trying our best to think about and listen to what's going on um, in the world. Like, what are the needs of the community? Um, what is the circumstances we're in? And, and just trying to, to do our best to move forward uh, gracefully. And, and now we're here and it's, you know, it's a beautiful, nice space. Um, but as you know, I'm sure you guys know with your radio show and just your own practices, you know, when, when things expand, it doesn't ma make things easier. So. Yeah, yeah, just the opposite, in fact. <laughs> yeah. So with this growth, there's been also a lot of like, oh, my goodness, and uh, kind of re restructuring um, that's gone on as well. Well, how did you end up wanting how did you end up wanting to be a part of herbalism? Yeah, I think. Um, you know, as a child, I grew up in the suburbs of Maryland, and there was always a lot of green spaces. So I would spend a lot of time with my little brother outside building forts and making mud pies and berry elixirs. And that really, I think, started my love of the outdoors and plants. And uh, as I got older, um, I actually had really severe asthma and a lot of allergies. And so my mom took me to a naturopath and through the use of herbs and the use of acupressure and a number of other modalities, uh, I actually was able to get rid of my asthma in about six months, which mm, I kind wow. of thought, yeah, I was on like all, every single color inhaler, you know, the oh, pink geez. one was <laughs> red, orange. Yeah. And yeah, I was had like all of those. And, um, so yeah, it, it, that was one of the things that I think started my interest in holistic medicine. Like, oh my gosh, I can breathe and I can pet a cat and not have a complete, you know, allergic response. Oh, that what was an a amazing gift. I know. <laughs> you know, breathing is a really important hobby. I think being able to yeah. pet the cat. Yeah, pet, cat petting <laughs> is also important. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a it was a pure win. Yeah, <laughs> yes. reading. So, yeah, it was. Um, I'm I'm really grateful for that particular naturopath. So, you know, that was a really pivotal experience. And then I went in, um, you know, I went into my studies in college, and everything just sort of kind of unfolded from there. So you've been kind of following the flow of things since you were really young. Yeah, I think so. I mean, much to my parents chagrin you know I think they uh, kind of w were expecting me to you know I, I really wanted to be of course like a marine biologist like every kid with an imagination right <laughs> um, but I thought I would be going more into a sort of a biological type career uh, and so when my parents when I you know was in my undergrad work in environmental restoration they were like oh you know well that's good that you're helping the environment but can you make a living and I was like <laughs> I don't know <laughs> 
And, uh, yeah. And so then I, I realized midway through my, um, undergraduate degree that I didn't really want to go around fixing the environment, but rather I wanted to be in the environment and teach people how to honor and respect it. So I started changing gears and going into health and wellness studies in my undergrad, which luckily they had those, um, some classes that I could take. I started studying yoga really seriously and ended up changing my degree to, um, integrative health studies and, uh, utilize some of my, uh, my studies in biology and chemistry and moved into more anatomy, physiology, and, um, and the history of medicine from different cultures. So it was kind of like more, it ended up being a blend of kind of anthropology and biomedicine. Nice. I didn't even know you could major in that. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. My college <laughs> didn't have that kind of opportunity, but I was on a small campus. So yeah. And mine was way, way, way back in the dark ages of time. Yeah, I'm glad that that is available. So you, what is it, was it that turned you towards uh, the whole uh, herbal spectrum during college then? Was there an event or you just started finding out more and said, oh, this is my thing? Yeah, there was, I mean, I think just learning more about traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurveda. Um, I had a teacher, a class that I took when I was in um, my undergrad, it was complementary and alternative health. And it was taught by Bob Duggan, who is the president or he passed um, earlier this year, but um, he was the president of the Maryland University of Integrative Health, also called Thai Sophia. And, uh, when I took that class, it was my um, senior year, and I had studied abroad in Australia for a year, um, studying Aboriginal medicine and um, Aboriginal in, in botany um, of Australia. But when I came back to the States and I took his class, and he was talking, and he the thing that really triggered me was like when he was talking about herbs and all the research on herbs and like the magic of herbs. And I was like, all right, I need to, I need to follow this guy and figure, you know, whatever he's, whatever he can offer. I, I was like, I really want to learn more from him and in, in this really holistic philosophy. So, um, I got a job at the school as a um, receptionist, um, and started working with as a receptionist for herbalists and acupuncturists and massage therapists and just really let myself become surrounded by them and ended up doing my senior thesis with um, James Snow, who was the program director at the time, and looking at the difference between, um, you know, what's more, what's a better medicine, the whole plant or the active constituent, which I was so curious. I was like, you know, is it... Is it the, is it this one compound that makes this plant, you know, the, you know, a great medicine for inflammation or is it the whole plant? So, um, that became my, my senior thesis. And, uh, from there after, you know, realizing that it's really the whole plant that makes a much better and safer medicine, I was like, okay, I'm going to be an herbalist. Nice, <laughs> this, nice. This, I want to do. And I also, you know, I also was like, how am I going to maximize my time outdoors? Because I've always loved being in nature. And, um, so the combination of those things, I was like, okay, I'm sold. Where do I sign up? <laughs> nice. So how did you manage to weave in the opportunity to get to Australia 
and study herbalism or healing with the Aboriginal peoples. I mean, that just sounds like an amazing, an amazing experience. Yeah, it was a, it was a, you know, it, part of it was figuring out. I mean, one thing that I love doing is like, okay, figuring out within the constructs of the system we live in, how do I do what I really want to do? Because it's usually not already defined. Right. And so what I ended up doing is um, creating my own major. And as a part of that, I, um, I wrote into my curriculum studying Aboriginal plant medicines in Australia. That is, <laughs> and I was like, so in order to in order to fulfill my own requirements that I'm setting for myself, I need to study abroad. And so I um, I lived there for a year, and I did a lot of coursework in the study of um, anthropology and Aboriginal, you know, sort of the Aboriginal culture. And then during the summer break, which was in December on the other side of the world, I took those three months and I just traveled to the Daintree rainforest and did herb walks with indigenous elders and spent some time, um, in Nimbin, um, studying at an herb school there. So I, I kind of just pieced it together and tried to figure out like, how do I synthesize all this information I'm interested in? And, um, you know, be able to get a student loan to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. When I was, when I was doing my undergraduate work way back when it didn't even occur to me to like step outside of the very clearly defined lines. Mm-hmm. I mean, I didn't even, at the time I realized now, you know, 20 years later, I should have been studying cultural anthropology, not English and history. It should have been English and cultural anthropology because history wasn't giving me what I wanted, but I couldn't figure out how to say what I wanted. And yeah. now I'm like, oh, yeah, someone told me like literally 20 years later, oh, that's cultural anthropology. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Youth is wasted on the young. I'm telling you. I was very youthful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got over it. Eventually. It, yes. yes, I did. <laughs> But you were, I mean, did somebody, did somebody suggest this idea of creating your own major or did you just come up with that? How did you figure that out? Yeah, no, I wish I had, had been smart enough to figure it out, but no, I mean, I feel like it's, it's really the program I I came to was a result of a lot of people, I think in previous generations saying there's not a program that fits exactly what I want to learn. So when I um, went to my counselor in my um, at UMBC and I said, here's what I'm interested in doing. Like, how do I do this? And she said, well, we actually have a new program called interdisciplinary studies yeah. where you can create your own major and have, uh, you know, choose your own um, mentor. And, uh, you know, will this department will actually help you design what you want to do. So it was a newer program yes. that was a result of, I think, a number of generations of graduates saying, yeah, like, how how do we make this actually uh, a viable um, degree program? Yeah. You know, when you when you think about it, it's honestly exactly like how the plants evolve with all the different properties they have for their unique environments, for what they want to do, how they want to express themselves. So, yeah, yeah, you were, you were being an excellent herbalist already. (laughs) (laughs) So what other places have you studied besides Australia beyond, you know, beyond Australia, beyond the States and Maryland area? (laughs) Uh, The other place I spent a lot of time was in Costa Rica. 
Um, so right before I started my herbal, um, my master's program, uh, I spent three months backpacking in Costa Rica and, you know, I look back on it and I'm like, that was kind of crazy. I kind of just went on my own. I, I packed wow. my backpack and I booked a place with a homestay family. Um, so I, I studied Spanish for a month. Um, living with a family at this sort of small little school. And then I traveled to um, central Costa Rica where I worked on a biodynamic farm. And that was really cool. We made essential oils from things like turmeric root and uh, we got to harvest langling flowers and distill them. And um, they grew echinacea and, um, uh, calendula and a number of other kind of more jungle plants. And that was a really neat experience to, to live there and to learn about those plants. And I also, um, statewide, um, worked in Asheville. I lived in Asheville, North Carolina for a few years. And so I worked on a number of farms there growing herbs and pollinating tomato plants and all sorts of other Uh kind of random things. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds amazing. That's that, that, there's the one I'm crawling with jealousy right there. I myself am not a traveler. I don't like traveling. It's too far away from home. That's the problem with traveling. But going to Costa Rica, that's that's the little dream I have. That's where heaven lives is in Costa Rica. And the the hummingbirds, the butterflies, the biodiversity, that just uh, I hear nothing but splendor. And to be on a biodynamic farm in Costa Rica, that must have been where that truly where heaven is right there. <laughs> yeah. And Costa Rica is a really great place to travel. So if you do get the opportunity, um, there's also the I, I had a chance to study down in the southern peninsula. Um and there's just, I mean, you have, the only way you can get there is by boat. You have to take a boat, like, kind of through the ocean and um, loop back <laughs> into the remote little jungle area. Um, and they're doing some really amazing um, sustainable work there with um, Jonathan, oh, I can't remember his name. Um, but it's called, um, they have a botanical refuge. I'm happy to, to send some notes. Yeah, send but, a link and we'll make sure that gets into the show notes. Yeah. He, he um, Jonathan is doing amazing work just trying to protect the indigenous knowledge of Costa Rica because so many Westerners are traveling there because it's just beautiful and um, the government's very stable and safe. So, um, but there, you know, there's a lot of indigenous people still living in the more remote areas that are doing amazing plant work and, and shamanic work as well. Mm. So if you make it down there, it's a beautiful place to visit. So at what point in all these travels did you pick up the energy piece? Because you got the science in part from university and and from some of the experiences you're having, you know, like like making the essential oils and, and all of the stuff you were doing. Where did the energy aspect of your practice, where's that rooted? Well, so it's interesting because I felt like they were always two separate things because as a child, when I played outside, I would like make little fairy huts and I believed nice. in the, you know, the like May apples, like I was convinced that, you know, like play, you know, you play in in, in a May apple patch and it's like very clear that that's, if a fairy is going to live anywhere, it's going to be there. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think I always had a very imaginative mind. Um, and that was another thing that caused some problems in my schooling is, you know, I was always coming up with these really imaginary plans and, and friends and things like that. Um, and, and then yoga, I started really studying yoga when I was 18 
And um, so this idea of altered states of consciousness that you can reach through the breath and through movement was something that really interested me. But I kind of felt like, okay, well, yoga is like my spiritual thing. My creative writing and poetry, that's, you know, that's another kind of creative thing. And then herbs and plants and, uh, you know, environmental stuff, like that's the science thing. And I think it wasn't until um, I started studying with, uh, you know, at Thai Sophia at the time and um, Isla Burgess, who's an herbalist from New Zealand, came and taught us. And I just remember being like, oh, wow, like she really, I thought, did an amazing job of of understanding and embodying kind of the spirit world as well as the more chemical world. And so I kind of kept getting these glimpses of like, okay, there's a connection. And then when I graduated and I found um, the work of Matthew Wood, I was like, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, here we go. And because, you know, his background in homeopathy, which is very much energetic um, and just his way of, really understanding the specific indications of plants and the uh, the doctrine of signatures and how the plants actually can show us with their bodies and their, their berries and their colors and their edges, kind of what they're used for. Like I was like, yeah. oh, so there's energetics in the physical as well. And that really catapulted me into a new area of study, which is really now more how I practice. Hunter Creation is a full-service graphic design studio. They offer design for print like business cards, brochures, and large-format banners. They also offer design for web, specializing in self-hosted WordPress sites, e-commerce, and single-splash pages. To top it all off, they can get just about anything printed for you at amazing prices, whether or not they do the design work. Visit their site at huntercreation.com for more information. So is that kind of the point where you started to synergize it all into one, into one, like they were all separate and then they started to become one again? Exactly. Yeah. Because I've loved, I mean, I, I enjoyed your talk at the American Herbalist Guild and I love the fact that you artfully weave the energetics with the science into a story that makes connection with the plant i mean with what you're talking about how to connect the plant with the plant so much more memorable it's so easy to access mm. well thank you yeah it's it's been a an amazing journey and i feel like a lot of it has been through seeing clients and just really seeing that for most of them it is the story of the plant and kind of tr- like creating an image and a feeling of the plant for them and then giving them the plant that seems to make the greatest impact. Like I could make the best formula in the world, which I thought I was doing at the beginning of my practice, you know, all the right herbs and at the right dosages, but I wasn't having as a big of a holistic and kind of life altering effect as I was having when I started weaving in the stories, the energetics and the imagery that really seemed to be what helped most. Nice. Can you give us like one example, just a really brief one of how someone like how, if a new client or a client that's come to you, how that looks so people can kind of get an idea? Because I think it's almost hard to recognize without hearing one of your examples of, you know, how any given a plant helped a sp- was right for a specific person. Do you know what I mean? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I had a client last week that I saw um, who came in. She has, um, she's been trying to have a child for many years, and her and her husband kind of decided that it didn't seem like it was going to happen for them. So they're going through the um, the foster home process to become foster parents. So she's really excited, but she's also very stressed because there's a lot that goes into that. Um, she has been having more symptoms in the last few months of numbness in her hands and tingling and a lot of nerve pain in her body. She's been having some problems sleeping and also um, a lot of tension up the sides of her neck and in her jaw. And so, uh, so, you know, I, I just listening to her story and, and also thinking about the physiology behind her symptoms. Um, you know, I, I was thinking about different plans for her. And, and the first thing I thought was, well, and this is usually my default, which is she needs nourishment because you know, right. most of us really <laughs> deplete. So, I, I love overnight nourishing herbal infusions. So I created a blend of some of my favorite really restorative herbs like oat straw and nettles. And um, for her, go to cola as a great connective tissue herb and passion flower and skullcap as nerve beans, a little bit of ginger for the um, circulatory issues and some St. John's wort for the, um, for the nerve pain. And so, you know, that, that to me, like a, a, a nourishing infusion sort of covers like the food side of the herb. So I know with those herbs, she's going to be very nourished, but I also was like, well, she needs a spirit herb that's going to help kind of hold her up during this time of great stress and to also give her some support as she, you know, kind of carries the torch forward in the, foster process. So I took her pulses and I looked at her tongue and I just felt like she needs something that's going to help her stand up firmly and to help relieve some of this tension and this weight that she's been carrying in her neck and shoulders. Um, as a woman trying to, you know, not only do her work in the world as a carpenter, which is really neat, but also doing her work, um, in the world as wanting to be a mother. And so the the herb blue vervain came up oh. for her. And I, I told her about blue vervain, how it grows this very sort of rigid stock. And, um, you know, blue vervain types tend to be um, people that really like to have things done the right way. They really like structure. They like formality. Um, but what can happen is if they are too rigid, um, the the way that the plant works is if it becomes too tall or too dried out, the whole top of the plant just folds over like the flower uh-huh. heads just fall. Yeah. And yeah. so I was describing this to her and I said, you know, you've, you're so blessed because you have been following this path of motherhood, but you've decided to not push so hard and to be a little bit more receptive and to go this foster and, you know, what a gift to have done that for yourself. Um, but, you know, you're going to you're going to continue to need that structure and support in your life as you move through all the paperwork of this process. And this plant will give you a lot of backbone and structure. It'll help relieve tension in the sides of the neck and in the jaw, which is one of its sort of specific indications. Um, and, you know, 
I was like, you know, I think it'll just be a really good ally for you that if you start to get, you know, if you start to feel like you're pushing too hard and that neck tension comes up, this plant will help show you that it's time to back off a little bit. You know, you can work with her medicine. Um, So she'll relieve the symptoms you have, but she'll also help you to work with the tendencies you have. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Instead of trying to go against your own nature, it'll be like working with your nature. Yeah, exactly. It's like another, like, it's like another version of her next to her holding her hand saying, let's do this together and let's help inform each other. And, um, so she started the nourishing infusion and she started taking the blue vervain. And I just heard from her, um, a few days ago saying, wow, I'm sleeping so much better. Um, and she really thinks it's, it's not only the nourishing herbs, but she said, I really feel like the blue vervain is taking the edge off of me. It's helping me to, just soften my approach a little bit and um, relax a little bit more. And my neck and my jaw are a lot less tense and being able to sleep more deeply is helping me to feel like I can be a better version of myself. And I was like, yay. Yay. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. That's what we want for you because you know, the road has just begun in many ways for her. Oh yeah. Yeah, motherhood is not easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. And it doesn't really matter how you come to it. It's just not easy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I think so that's one one story and and it's always kind of a combination of those things of like nourishment as well as um as well as that more kind of imagery support. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, some of the things that I think resonate with us most are the stories that are really like, like myths, you know, like they're connected to something much bigger than ourselves. And to some extent, yeah. that's exactly what the blue vervain is for her. It's connected to something bigger than herself, which gives you a strength. Well, it seems like a lot of people feel isolated and then the, they're more susceptible to disease. So if they can connect to plants and to stories and to a broader perspective, that is a big part of the healing tradition. It is. Um, yeah, people yeah just, absolutely. They stick themselves in little corners, silly little mm-hmm. things. <laughs> uh, wow, that's pretty impressive. So how do you integrate your yoga into it? Yeah, so my yoga practice is, um, you know, I – one thing that I do as a teacher is I try to weave in um, always sort of a centering at the beginning and a centering at the end of my classes. Um, I weave in poetry, a lot of work from Mary Oliver, who has just been such an inspiration in my life. Um, And so those are the sort of more kind of simple ways that I incorporate yoga with my clients. Sometimes I will recommend different yoga classes or teach or breath work or even just restorative postures or stress relieving um, uh, mudras and um, things like that, or meditation practices. So, um, but it's not, it's, I wouldn't say yoga comes in overtly into a lot of my herbal sessions. It's kind of always there as a tool if I feel like I need to draw it in. And for those in the audience that don't know, this is something to check out. And this will be a link will be in our notes. Mary Oliver is a Pulitzer Prize winning poet. So we, I understand that's that's something that you do is you have some other things with, you have a 
what are they called? The candle flow? The candle flow. Oh. Yeah. What is a candle flow? Sue was we, asking me that and I was like, well, I can guess, but. You had, you had something in your webpage. I said, I was like, go to this top of the roof and poetry and candle flow and. And the kava thing. Kava and it. kava. The, the, I can't remember what it's called, but it's the, yep. the kava ceremony. Walk us through that yep. one. That sounds unique. Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I've always loved, um, weaving, um, plants into my yoga classes. So I actually started maybe about five years ago teaching a class called plant spirit yoga. And what I would do is I would take a single plant like lemon balm and I would have some lemon balm tea for the students. And then I would teach them about some of the physical properties, like, you know, lemon balm is a nervine, it's an antidepressant, it helps with anxiety, but it's also a gentle relaxant. Um, so I would tell them a little bit about its physical properties, and then I would also tell them more about its energetics and its more sort of spiritual values. And then I would create a yoga practice that would incorporate poses that work on those physiological areas. So for example poses for the core that work on digestion and then also poses that work on the nervous system while incorporating, um, you know, music and things that felt more like the spirit of the plant. And then we would, we would drink a little bit of the plant at the beginning of the, of the practice. And then we would drink it right before we went into our meditation and just let them have an experience with the plant. So, that was just such a fun adventure for me. Um, and it was a good way for me to study the plants too, and to feel the plants in my body while I was moving through my, my practice. And, um, and so then kind of over the years, things have evolved. And, uh, when I was living in Australia, I actually met a guy from Fiji. He was one of my roommates and he taught me about Kava nice. and how his, uh, father used it in, um, he used it in their sort of political circles. And this, it sounds kind of funny, but I guess still in Fiji, um, the smaller councils will meet and they'll drink kava and they'll talk politics and talk about ways of developing their communities and developing the economy of their, um, of their towns. And under the influence of kava, he said, it's impossible to tell a lie. So it keeps yeah. everyone honest. Yeah. I was going to say, it sounds quite sensible to me. Uh-huh. Does it really? I, really, I, I think our government should adopt kava. To be honest, so instead of fake news, we have the kava hour. Yeah, instead of fake news and coffee, let's do kava That's and right. real discussion. Discourse. Real discussion. Oh, you're, you're, you're such a radical, God, Candace. So I, yeah, I just fell in love with that idea, and so um, I started leading kava circles at our yoga studio, where we would drink kava in a more ceremonial way, and talk about what's on our hearts and what can we do as individual and global citizens. Um, and that kind of turned into also um, drinking kava and then doing yoga and working out our own karmas and our own stresses and our own deeper questions and struggles, using the plant medicine to try to get to our own truth. And um, so it's kind of evolved into that. And now my husband, who's an astrologer and yoga teacher, um, well, he's always been an astrologer, but um, he recently completed his second yoga teacher training. So now he's teaching yoga, astrology, herbs, and doing it with kava um, on Saturday nights. It's sort of like a late night shamanic 
um, experience where, you know, drinking kava, talking about personal truth, going through a practice, and then doing meditation on the different planets. Wow. That sounds like an amazing full body experience. Oh my goodness. Talk about your voyage of self-discovery. That might be too deep for me. I want to dive right in, man. I'm just no. like, okay, I'm going to fly to Maryland. <laughs> I, pretty, I have to say, it's a pretty, I mean, it sounds like a lot, but, you know, Kava is a really gentle medicine. It it doesn't take you anywhere that you can't, you know, that you can't handle. Right. Um, and because it's that natural anxiolytic, you know, it has those um, really relaxing properties. You know, you go places, but you're like, cool. Yeah. And it, it allows you <laughs> to right. back out too. I mean- you know, other, other plants, other herbs don't let you back out of the experience. They're kind of like, no, you're here now and you're going to have this. You're my prisoner. Even if you're not ready, <laughs> you know. Right. Kava is more like, well, I think you're ready. Let's do this thing. But, you know, if it's too intense, you can just sort of back out of it. Hmm. Exactly. All right. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've used it in the clinic for people with anxiety. I mean, that's not just like if they have anxiety, I throw kava at them, but there's a certain type of anxiety that I'm looking for to um, throw kava at them. But I'm really careful about that. It just, I don't know, kava kava gives me a little bit of pause. It seems like uh, maybe the population that I'm working with, a lot of them, kava is not the plant that they need. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure yeah, it's population. It definitely opens things up. And if there is grief or trauma um, that has, that's, you know, not really ready to be felt in the body again, um, mm-hmm. because it's a very somatic herb, I feel like kava really brings you into your body. Um, it, yeah, it, it can be one. It's not like a skull cap where, oh, your mind just gets a nice relaxant, you know, feeling. I feel like I use kava also a lot for people that have been in car accidents and have trauma like locked in their muscles. Um, so it can be a really good herb for also kind of moving trauma from physical injuries mm-hmm. out of the body. But you know, yeah, it, it's not one that while it's gentle, it's also, it's also pretty powerful. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the reasons why it's a difficult one, I work with a lot of unhoused population and pulling somebody out of that grief to analyze it when they don't have physically have a safe place to be to recover. The clinic may be a safe place, but they're not there all week. And that is sometimes is the only safe place they have that that's probably why it's one of the herbs that I shy away from because that's peeling away that wound when you don't have a spot to regrow some good skin. That's dangerous for the population that I serve. But for the housed patients, now that I think about it, the housed patients that I've come in, those have been the people that I've given kava to, and it seems like it's helped them a lot. If you have a place to, to after going deep into it, to kind of pull yourself back, it's a, it's a, it is a plant that needs respect, and I'm really glad to hear that you are giving it the respect that it deserves. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point. I love. I think that's a really great point, though, of like having a safe container. Um, before you work with kava, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and for folks who are unhoused, there one of the things we do to deal with really intense and and traumatic experiences, which they often have like daily, is that we disassociate, which means we pull ourselves out of our bodies a little bit, and we do that with our energy systems as well. It's not just our like imagination that goes out. We disassociate a little, mm-hmm. and when it's you defense. yeah, and when yeah. you have to reintegrate and be fully present, if you're not if you haven't 
cleared or dealt with the trauma well enough, then that puts you into a very vulnerable and dangerous situation where you, where you aren't, you're too much in the emotions and you can't make the safe choices for yourself. So for folks who have a safe place, it's not, that's not problematic. It can be a healing thing, but I think for unhoused people that could be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I think it also calls in the, the idea of ritual and ceremony too. Yeah. You know, the ritual space can create a container that's a really safe place to explore these things. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, if you are unhoused and you don't have a, a community supporting you in the moment that you're using the plant, um, you know, a lot of the, these more stronger herbs were used, you know, in a very structured way. Yes. Um, so yeah, I think the, the ritual piece of using herbs like this is, is really important. Mm-hmm. It's it incredibly it important. That's mm-hmm. where, that's where, it's not really a rec. Kava is not really, or should not be a recreational herb. I right. think. I mean, that's I my my opinion, but it's more. Uh, it requires the proper structure and the proper respect because it can be quite powerful. Yeah, sounds like Ashley, you're you're really building a safe place just for the power of that herb too. And I appreciate you putting it into a ritual that makes it makes it even easier and and more successful for the patients or clients. I guess they're called clients that you treat. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate you spending time talking with us, and I, I've enjoyed this conversation. It's, I'm still, my mind is still in Costa Rica. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, people can uh, reach me through our website, sky, skyhouseyoga.com, S K Y H O U S E Y O G A dot com, and they can email me at skyhouseyoga at gmail.com. Okay. They also can follow me. I like to post videos and pictures on Instagram. So I'm on there quite a bit. And my my Instagram account is Plants Whisper Yoga. Oh, cute. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so you can find me there. And then I'm also on Facebook, you know, tooling around, liking things and other people's posts. So th- those are really good ways of, of staying in touch with me. Oh, lovely. Well, thank you so very much for coming and talking to us today. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time with you guys. Oh, what? You've got an herbal apprenticeship coming up. Oh, gosh, I got to make sure we don't forget to mention that. (laughs) The deadline is like... Coming up. Yeah, the deadline is going to be like very, very soon here. There's a May apprenticeship. Yes. Uh, March so 15th tell us, is the enrollment. Before, before, we, before we say goodbye for real this time, yeah. tell us very <laughs> quickly about your Herbal Apprentice program starting in May. Sure. So uh, I start Herbal Apprenticeship programs usually in the spring and fall, and people can study online with me. And we meet for a few hours once a week in the evenings. And um, it's a great program for beginner herbalists who really want some structure and learning the science and the chemistry and botany and also medicine making, and then also the energetic model. Um, And then I also offer a year two program, which is for more seasoned herbalists who want to study with me in uh, more of a practical way. So the year one program is starting in May and there's an early bird discount, which is ending on May on, sorry, March 15th. And I'm always open to scholarships and, you know, offering tuition discounts for people in need. So I never like to turn anyone down because of financial issues. So if anyone does have you know, financial restrictions, please still apply and let me know about them. And I'm happy to work out payment plans or trades so that you can study herbs. 
Beautiful. Thank you so much. And people can find more um, on that, uh, about your program on your website. And Sue will provide the link to that on show notes. Mm -hmm. All right. So now this time for real, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Okay. So, Hey, thanks for hanging around until the end. You, You made it this far. I need you to go one step further. Give us a good review on iTunes or wherever you happen to listen to this podcast. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah, it helps people find us. It does. Plus, we're cool. Oh, yes. You're cool. Yes. We'll all be cool together. We're cool. Great. So, (laughs) give us a review. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication. Or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem, any testimonials, questions or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.